This is Greg Olson, and I'm thrilled to introduce my new podcast, TE1. TE1 will chronicle a 60-year evolution of the tight end position, from its origins as an obscure, overlooked blocking role to the versatile superstar position that it is today. I'll explore the evolution of the position through conversations with some of the all-time game-changing tight ends. And just like the incredible tight ends we sit down with on my new show, the Chevy Silverado is in a league of its own. This truck is all about grit, strength, and dependability. The same attributes it takes to be a tight end. Blue Wire. The Philadelphia 76ers select Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons. Here comes Simmons between the legs. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the New Slant Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Kyle Newbeck. And this week, our podcast being brought to you by our friends at Bet Online, DoorDash, and NFL Sunday Ticket. So thank you to all those wonderful people for helping to keep our lights on. With me, as he is every week, in full Eagles fever, ready for football season to get going, probably several fantasy drafts deep at this point, my buddy, my pal, Seamus Clancy. Seamus, how are you? I'm only in three this year, which is a down from, I believe, six or seven last year. The issue was that I was in a couple of work leagues last year, and as we've discussed, I am no longer in that place of employment, so got the boot from those leagues. But I am in, for the first time, a dynasty league where we did a draft during the quarantine the past time. That's, That's fun. Se- so something different. Let me... Let me ask you, because this is always my default question whenever I know people are doing fantasy. Do you, are you doing snake drafts or auction drafts? Snake, I've done auction in the past. I did it with my college friends one year in college, but it's just very time consuming. So that's the issue where I love the idea of it, but sometimes it can be a drag, especially you know after the initial excitement of the first dozen, you know, dozen and a half bids. Yeah, that's so. I think that's fair. Like, I I, I, I love the idea of it, and it can be fun and it has been fun, but every person in it needs to be a fantasy hardo. You can't have, you know, a third or a fourth of the league be super casual football fans and do it, or I think it takes away from the excitement of it. So, I wouldn't even say that. I think for me, the way an auction works is you have to have a like. You know, some people bounce between different leagues and have guys or girls dropping out every year and you're replacing people. But if you have a a solid group that you do it with over and over again, for me, the auction is way more fun just because you have like little interpersonal rivalries. You have people's tendencies that you know. Like, so I do, I'm actually not doing any leagues this year, which that's a whole nother discussion. Um, but we normally have a league where we have a couple guys that my buddies know from college out in Pittsburgh. And so they always overbid on Steelers guys. We have our like Eagles people, obviously, because it's mostly uh, Philly, Philly area people in, in the league. So that's always like a dogfight for different Eagles guys, like people overpay for them every year. And because we've had it going for so long, you there's a lot of trash talk just related to that side of the league. So I've come to like, I don't e- I won't even do snake drafts anymore. They're just like, it's like paint by numbers, fantasy football, which is kind of, it's kind of boring, but 
I'm not doing it at all this year because I just it doesn't feel like football season to me. So but, you're claiming that you're essentially Matt Damon and Rounders, but for auction fantasy football. In what way? That you're just snaking out the competition and reading everyone's tendencies and you know the room better than they know themselves. Oh, I'm not even saying I know it better. I just think that it, that's part a big part of the enjoyment of the draft. And like the draft itself, like actually drafting for fantasy football is, as you say, is time consuming either way. So I'd rather do the thing that is like a little more engaging that you have to keep up with. And that involves a layer of, you know, shit talking and and some personal elements to it. But that's just my slant on that. No, we actually, and without going on like a fucking long fantasy football rant here, we collectively decided we weren't going to do it this year because it was, I don't know if you had this experience, Seamus, but I, I, so I'm the commissioner of the league and I went to people and said, Hey, like, do you guys want to do it? And effectively the message from everyone was not really, but I'll do it if somebody else really wants to. And so nobody really spoke up like, man, I'm really fired up to do fantasy football. So I guess it's just a little bit of apathy with COVID and maybe people not thinking that the season is going to be able to finish and guys being in and out of lineups. I think we all just kind of didn't feel it this year. I'm sure we'll be back five years from now when we get back to normal, but who the hell knows? Will there ever be a normal? Yeah. On that positive note, we are, I guess, trying to approach a new normal in the Sixers universe. And I don't want to say it's been a dead last week or so, but it's certainly been slow outside of the arena development this morning, which we're, Seamus and I are recording this on Wednesday evening. That is really the only big development. So Seamus and I wanted to check in on some coaching stuff. Uh, I guess talk through. We've obviously talked about the coaching situation a decent amount. I don't know that we've gotten a whole lot into the front office because there's been, I don't want to say no news, but very little news, very few developments in terms of their restructuring, quote unquote, and Elton Brand laying the hammer down there. So I guess from the outside, like how do you feel right now, Seamus, as like, you see other teams, there are lists of names of coaches and people that they're talking to. The Kings have a list of, I think it's like five or six potential executive candidates that was reported yesterday. And outside of the early reporting on who is going to be in the mix for Philly, it's been kind of radio silent. Does that make you feel... I guess less confident in the organization and kind of throwing your hands up at all, or are you just rolling with it? Well, the issue is we're waiting on front office changes that we were told were going to happen like two weeks ago at this point. And how are things supposed to be developed when we have sitting duck people in the front office? Obviously, Ellen Brand will remain with, with the team in some undefined role. I don't know if he will be the head decision maker. He should not be the head decision maker. They should clear house with the Alex Ruckers and Ned Cohen's of the front office, which it seems like they are going to do. But until there is new blood infected into that front office, it's hard for me to say what they should be doing right now in terms of, are you going to be hiring five or six guys, or sorry, interviewing five or six guys when you don't even know if the same staff is going to be in place that interviewed them to begin with? 
like they need they're trying to do this reverse their way into a new front office you need to go top down yeah the order of operations is screwed up and you know they're running into the same thing at least the optically from the outside view as what happened in 2018 when colangelo left like he left at an inopportune time we'll say that it would have been very hard for them to totally restructure the front office and the organization down from there before the nba draft like that was not going to happen but the fact that they went through with they they have the draft they go through free agency and you know brett brown assumes more power and these other people Alex Rucker, Ned Cohen, so on and so forth, assume more power. And then at the very end of the offseason, I want to say, I don't remember the exact timing, but it might have been like a week or two before training camp. They then decided, like now they hire Elton Brand after what was, you know, as we've said many times, one of the most important offseasons in the franchise's history, certainly the most important, I think, in our lifetimes to date, Seamus. And the, only then did they make a decision. So it gives it gives off bad vibes to me. I, they might end up in the right place when all is said and done. But I, I don't think anything about how they're they operating won't. right now inspires confidence in you know where they'll end up. They're going about this ass backwards. And if I could sum up anything about this organization in one word over the last two, two and a half years, it's ass backwards. It's just silly. Like, And look, I get that it seems like they're setting up Elton Brand as, you know, he's his hands aren't as dirty as everyone else and he's going to lead them forward. And that's great. But, you know, if that if that's the case, I don't know why we haven't seen concrete changes yet. There have been some whispers about who may or may not go, but how much time do you need to like this? This organization knows better than than I do, than you do, than we all collectively do about who was responsible for what, about who contributed to the problems they've had the last couple of years. It, it really shouldn't be, it shouldn't take this long. And especially in a marketplace where, you know, the, the, we're talking million dollar plus employees that are being hired and fired around the league. You don't have the time to just sit and wait around while the, the most qualified candidates around the league potentially get hired by other people that are vying for their services so i don't know what the hell the the holdup is here but i guess we'll see it's incompetence it comes to from fruition. the top down that's the hold up it starts at the top i it, i hate saying i hate saying this it's all we talk about is that it's the owners do you know what i mean they set the tone they set the standard for this organization and the standard is certainly certainly not up to par so while we are on the subject of searches i guess we can hone in on the Mm. coaching stuff for a minute Uh, so i guess two quote-unquote developments happened within the last week number one billy donovan and the thunder parted ways it you know, it was kind of, it's weird. It wasn't like a, hey, we think you suck sort of deal. And it wasn't necessarily Billy Donovan being like thrilled about moving on. It's more of a, hey, we're at a fork in the road and he doesn't want to do the rebuilding thing. They don't want to pay a coach a lot of money to stay. And so they, they're they parting ways with the subtext being that they're also probably going to trade some people 
including a potential Sixers candidate this summer. Uh, so Billy Donovan now also on the coaching market. The Sixers have been linked to him uh, by several reporters. I believe Kevin O'Connor of The Ringer threw his name out there in connection with the Sixers, as did Sam Amick of The Athletic. Uh, and then the other big development was, well, I guess, I don't know if I'd call it development. Let's say uh, John Johnson of WIP first reported last week that the two sides were close to a deal. Uh, then immediately, I, I shouldn't say immediately, then very quickly retracted it, said that that was what he had reported was not accurate. I was told at the time the Sixers had not even conducted an interview with Lou yet. Whether that precludes them from hiring him or not is tough to say because of how focused they seem to be on him within this coaching search. But I guess, uh, how are you feeling right now, Seamus, about, you know, we already talked about Lou. So what are your thoughts on Donovan and how he compares to... I guess the other people that we've talked about so far. We spoke about it briefly before the show, but is there that discernible of a difference between him and Brett Brown? What are you bringing Billy Donovan in here for? He's lost. He hasn't won as many playoff series as Brett Brown, even at this point, right? Two. He he, won won two two in the first year that he was there. And and then then he lost in the first round every single year. So he's won as many as Brett Brown. And what is his calling card here? Oh, we're bringing back Al Horford's college coach to get the most out of him now? It just, that is the most unsexy, you know, just passive hire that they could possibly do. The most blasé thing that this organization could do when they should be looking for a home run here with this pick, with this selection, this hiring process. I'm not saying Tyron Lewis specifically a true home run hit, but I think he's the best they can do given all the circumstances going against them. And I'm pro Tyler. I want that on record. Well, it was really funny to me. So I, I do the, the cursory Twitter glancing whenever some big news comes down and Donovan's name obviously circulates around Twitter last night when the news comes out that he's not going back to Oklahoma city. And there are Sixers people. I shouldn't say Sixers people, Sixers fans, that are kind of all over the map on him. There were some people like, oh, he'd be, he's a good coach. Look at what he did this year. And it's like, dude, if you look at Donovan since he's been in Oklahoma City and balance that against his overall track record, as you say, Seamus, all the problems that he had in Oklahoma City are the stuff that people wanted Brown out for. Correct. Right? Like he didn't, he didn't get through to his stars, and that manifests in multiple ways. So number one, Kevin Durant accidentally, but through his Twitter account that revealed that he has uh, burner accounts, he revealed that part of the reason that he left is that he didn't like playing for Billy Donovan. And so, you know, that's a big strike against the guy who's going to have to get through to people like Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons. And then on top of that, I I think what gets lost in – so this year, Oklahoma City's offense was – pretty good and pretty progressive there there's more ball movement there's more the floor was more spread but when Westbrook was here when Paul George was here when Durant was here in that that one year that he had those two together the offense did not really functionally change from when Scott Brooks was running the team and like the whole reason 
that Billy Donovan was hired away from Florida and that Scott Brooks was fired is because he was supposed to come to Oklahoma City and rejuvenate the offense, introduce more motion, introduce more ball screens, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And it still ended up being the Durant and Westbrook show. It later became the Russell Westbrook show. And so if you want to talk about like getting through to your players and getting them to buy into something, we didn't see any evidence of that. On top of that, then you look at guys who came there like Victor Oladipo and Demonis Sabonis that later went to Indiana and blossomed into better players. Both of those guys were used in you know square peg, round hole sort of deals. Like Oladipo was relegated to a lot of standing in the corner, not a lot of secondary ball handling, secondary creation uh, responsibilities next to Westbrook. Sabonis so was used a lot more to like space the floor, which is not his thing. He's a guy that thrives uh, dive into the basket, posting up around the rim. And immediately after both those guys leave, they both become considerably better players. Oladipo turns into an all-star. Sabonis turned into, he's like, a, I wouldn't say he's an all-star caliber guy, but he's like the next tier right below that. He's a very good role player. And, you know, that's another big criticism of Brown. It was like, oh, he does, guys leave and they get better, or he doesn't make the best use of guys. That's exactly what Donovan did on this Oklahoma City team. And to me, I think he's been getting a lot of credit for things that Chris Paul is really responsible for, like being the elite tactician in control of the offense and pulling the strings. And, you know, the personnel matched up a little better. But you look at how their season ended in Game 7 against Houston – and Russell Westbrook blew up their sideline on a bounds play to potentially win the game twice in a row because they couldn't come up with another one after a timeout. Like that's, it, it's all the same things that people complain about with Brown. Doesn't get the most out of his stars and doesn't get them to buy in. He doesn't get the most out of role players and put them puts them in roles that are within the scheme rather than the roles that best fit them. And he's not a guy who's like an X's and O's genius that's going to, you know, deliver in the best moments, the most important moments. So, you know, I don't think he makes much sense at all. I think he's a fine coach that should probably be employed by another team. But, you know, not this one. Yeah, if they want what they think Billy Donovan does well, just go trade for Chris Paul. Right, and that's a you know. It's an I, I think there's discussion. A, a strong case to be made, and maybe that's another podcast we'll do soon. Seamus is like, I don't think trading for Chris Paul is as prohibitive for the Sixers as maybe it is a lot of other teams because they're they're in cap trouble anyway, and Chris Paul's deal will be up in another two years. That I don't think it makes a difference if they are paying. It, it makes a difference to Josh Harris, who's got to pay for helicopter fuel and like you know maybe a private island somewhere with a a spy lair but other than that like the difference of going from you're paying Al Horford a bunch of money to you're paying Chris Paul more money but for only the next two years and for a player that ostensibly fits better I I don't think that there's a real strong case against it at this point honestly but that's we can get into that in depth some other time I get so. Are you firmly on? Is it Ty Lue or Bus for you, or are you still open to? I know we talked about some of the assistants out there, including another guy on the Clippers staff, Sam Cassell. Um, but does anybody jump out to you outside of Lou? 
Yeah, I'm I'm on the Sam Cassell train. I don't know if that's actually going to happen. He's another assistant within the Clippers, so I feel like they might not be going after, and this is just my own theory or opinion, they wouldn't be going after two assistants from the same organization. Might, you know, step on some toes there. Uh, additionally, uh, Jerry Stackhouse is someone who's I've capped for on the podcast, caped for on the podcast before, and I still remain adamant that he should be having a coaching job in the NBA. But other than that, I take Ty Lue at this point. Yeah, and I I think Seamus to me beyond the the stuff all coaches need like the X's and O's acumen, understanding of rotations, all that stuff. I think something that maybe we've danced around but have not said explicitly is that I think they need a coach that has gravitas in some way. Like if you look at – it's a weird example because I it was strange that he got hired the way he did. But like Steve Nash going to Brooklyn, in spite of the fact that he has no actual formal – coaching experience beyond some consulting work with the Warriors, which is how Durant knows him. That's a guy whose name carries weight for obvious reasons, like multiple time MVP, all that stuff. And Ty Lue is somebody that, you know, people say all this stuff about, well, he was coaching LeBron and that's why he won. And, you know, that's all well and good, but he's a championship winning coach. And that comes with a certain level of of respect and guys know like he walks into that locker room and he did coach LeBron and Kyrie Irving and Kevin Love and they won a title together they did go to the finals multiple times in a row with you know some of those teams that the 2016 team was very good I would even say that the the year after that was very good that the offense team, the offense in 2017 was phenomenal 2018 well, was a and, disaster and that's even more of a credit to him that obviously LeBron is you know, the greatest part of that sum. But for carrying a terrible team to the finals, you have to give some credit to lose way. Right. They had to adapt. They brought in new personnel midstream and tried to make it work. And look, that's not an easy thing to do, even with LeBron. That's not an easy thing to do. And it's something that doesn't happen if the coach doesn't have the respect of everybody in that room. And if the coach isn't, you know, tactically aware and intelligent enough to make it happen. So, you know, I, I think that's something that we have to consider. It, it's not just their acumen and you know leadership qualities, but like it, it's an intangible thing. But the the respect that somebody walks in with through the door matters a lot. And I'm you know I'm sure that's something that they're aware of, but something to keep in mind moving forward. Would have loved Steve Nash, slam dunk hire. I'm interested to see how that one plays out. I mean, I think it would have been phenomenal here. It would have played very well, but that's not necessarily why you do it. I think outside the box is sometimes needed when this team, again, I've said this a few times, it needs to be injected with some new blood, some vivacity. So on that note, we're going to take a quick break to talk about our sponsors, and then we'll be back to talk some more Sixers. So I'm here to tell you and talk to you about our friends at DoorDash. You guys have counted on restaurants and now they're counting on you. And while their dining rooms may be closed, slowly opening again, but still not totally open in a lot of places, including Philadelphia, they're still open for delivery no matter what with DoorDash. And DoorDash is the app that brings you the food you're craving right to your door. I, I know Seamus and I talked to you about this last week, but you know, 
I have really enjoyed like using DoorDash throughout the, you know, first in the lockdown period later as the summer has gone on and things still aren't open to still try to support the local businesses, local restaurants that, you know, I like going to and going out to in normal times. It's a way that you can do that and they can, you can get it with contactless delivery, which I think their drivers have done an excellent job of doing. And you can do that or you can choose from some of your favorite national restaurants, you know, the the Chipotle's of the world, Wendy's, Cheesecake Factory, all kinds of different restaurants are on there. And many of your favorite local restaurants are still open too. So if you just open the DoorDash app, select your favorite local spot, your food's on its way. So right now, our listeners can get $5 off zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter code BLUEWIRE. That's $5 off your off your order and zero delivery fees when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code BLUEWIRE. Don't forget, that's code BLUEWIRE, B-L-U-E-W-I-R-E, for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. Love supporting local businesses. Nothing like it, man. Well, there's one thing that I do love more than complaining about the Sixers. What's it's that, Seamus? It's that the NFL is starting. If you're listening, that's probably on Thursday. NFL is starting tonight. But the NFL starts in full force this Sunday. I can't believe it. Four days away? By the time you're listening, it's three days away? We have an offer for you. NFL Sunday Ticket TV. You can stream every live, out-of-market NFL game every Sunday afternoon on your favorite devices. Plus, Red Zone and DirecTV Fantasy Zone channels never miss your favorite teams and players. And I will admit that I have signed up for a Sunday, t- Sunday ticket using our phenomenal 15% off promo code, Blue Wire. And I got... Look at that. We're not just selling you products. We're using I, them... I literally bought it last week. I'm going all in on football. I'm going to have the two TV set up. You can use the Roku app if you have like a video game console that works on there. I'll be using Roku. You know, I got one on Amazon for like 30 bucks earlier in quarantine. No brain decision. Got my best friend Mike, Waller sister on Twitter, signed up for it too. Just this, just this night. Tonight he signed up telling me about it. I said, did you use promo code BlueWire? He said, of course I use promo code BlueWire. But go. 15% off, that's an unbelievable deal for, you know, me and Kyle were talking this, a product that is held in high regard. It's not like this is League Pass where it's, everyone complains about the user interface and quality. Sunday Ticket is a standard. So if you love football, it's a must to have Sunday Ticket. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use that promo code BLUEWIRE. Might have to go sign up right after the show, Seamus. That was a good sell. That was a good sell. That was a good sell. You have a future in sales, perhaps. I hope not. Um, Someone who needed to do a better sales job for voters this season. Sixers big man, Joel Embiid. Uh, Tuesday night, the results were revealed for the all-defense teams for the 2019-20 season. And, you know, Seamus and I talked up Ben Simmons's case I think throughout the year even prior to the season that was something that we were monitoring for the Sixers and I think Ben got a, a much deserved spot on the all defense first team and he wasn't quite unanimous but 
he got pretty close. I believe he finished with, was it 88 first team votes and maybe nine second team votes. So Yep, looking at a, the results a, now. So that's a, a pretty high honor for Ben. And, you know, as much as we critique him for his stagnation as an offensive player, or a, as a prospect, I should say, uh, defensively, He's come a long way. He's taken that responsibility as a leader on defense seriously. But that was that was good to see him get rewarded for that. Uh, on the flip side, the the unfortunate part of the all defense voting, Joel Embiid, who was all NBA defense the last two seasons, only got ten total votes for all defense teams this season. I believe he got one first team vote. And nine second team votes, which, you know, I think, like, and this is just my personal opinion, I think he has as high a defensive ceiling as pretty much anyone in the league. I think he can be, and he has said it's a goal for himself to be the defensive player of the year. And so for him to be this far away from contention for one of those teams is probably the biggest indictment of his season. I like I think you can forgive him for some of his offensive struggles this year and you know the the fit around him was poor and we talked about that to death. But the fact that he took a slide the way he did on defense even with the team being still like pretty good on defense, they finished top 10 on the season. They were hovering around six, I think, before the bubble started. I think, and you and I have talked about this a little bit, Seamus, I think the number one priority for him next season is he has to come in and just get back to kicking people's asses on defense. Yeah, he, got, he received 11 points in the all-defense voting, and he should have made either of the first teams. As big as Joel Embiid fan, you will find and is because a Sixers fan you will find as someone who also at the same time detests the team. Joel Embiid was not the best defensive center in the NBA, nor was he the second best. I believe Brooke Lopez was actually the best and should have gotten first team, but Rudy Gobert is certainly deserving of either all-defensive selection. Ben Simmons, obviously very deserving. We predicted it before the season uh, amid some of our other poor predictions. Uh, but Joel, he took, his, he took a down, so he was... Took a step down on defense here. Took a step down all around. It was a down year, and there's a lot of other factors that go into that with the, the roster, the coaching, everything else. But I, I don't want this to be next summer we're saying, you know, Joe needs to come into camp next season in better shape and really hanker down on defense like he used to. The, at a certain point, you can't stop improving. No, for me, yeah, like the time is now for him to perform. Like, this he, is, he had a worse not, year. Uh... He's not like a 20 He's not young anymore. He's recent not drafty. No, he's not a young player. Not to saying he's old or they should trade him or he's washed up. No, he's in his prime. But you can't give him the benefit of the doubt of saying, oh, he's, like they say with the, oh, the Sixers have these two young stars. They'll figure it out. They're not like that young when it comes to upper echelon talent in the NBA. Ben Simmons is a little old for his class. Joel Embiid sat out a couple of years. He's older than you think in terms of his how long he's actually been a part of the Sixers franchise besides just playing on the court. Yeah, I I just I can't I can't escape the idea in my mind that 
you know, Joel has to be the guy that sets the example for the entire organization. And, you know, in some ways, it's an unfair expectation to put on one person. He certainly, especially on the offensive end, has been let down by uh, front office personnel decisions over the last couple of years. But that he cannot allow that to be what defines his attitude, his work, and the way he approaches game to game. Like, if you want to sit here and ask, like, why were the Sixers so good at home and so bad on the road this year? He's a huge part of that. There were games where they show up and they're playing, you know, like the Atlantas, the Charlottes, the the bullshit teams of the NBA, and he's just not there. Like, there were long stretches of those games. He would still put up great numbers because he's playing against guys who can't guard him, but he's going through stretches of games where he's standing flat-footed, He's not making rotations the way he should. He's not communicating with guys. And like that, that just cannot happen. That cannot be who he is. And that to me, like, you know, if he scores less points or doesn't shoot as well from three or whatever it is, you know, that's not ideal. But you can live with that because he has the the tools and the ability to be the most impactful rim protector in the league. But he just didn't give a shit for long periods of this year. And, you know, we can only ma- you can only make so many excuses for a guy with his talent. At some point, and to your point about age, Seamus, he has to decide if he wants to be the player that he is, which is a very good player who at times is capable of being great, but just doesn't get there that often, or if he wants to be a great player. He has invited comparisons to guys like Hakeem Olajuwon. He talks about, you know, admiring Kobe Bryant and, you know, how that inspired him to get into basketball. The one thing you could say about Kobe Bryant is that fucking dude maximized his basketball ability. He may not have been a perfect player, but that dude worked harder than absolutely anybody else to try to get the most out of what he had so you know if he wants to invite those comparisons call people his inspiration and so on and so forth go out there and fucking show me that dude i'm like i'm tired of the the other thing too and we've talked about this in the past seamus he'll come out and say oh i i just need to i need to dominate i need to be better i need to do this and i don't want to hear the empty rhetoric anymore i want to see it i want to see the results i want to see like, I know he practices and works on his game. I know, I'm not sitting here and saying that he doesn't care and doesn't want to get better. But if you look at his growth versus other guys and his game to game performance versus other guys that he wants to be compared with, he is lagging behind. And it's just not acceptable for a guy at his level. The time to talk about potential is over with this six yeah. team. Just got to live in reality and do it now. This is the time to reach your potential. There's no, oh, imagine this team in like a year or two. No, that 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 time's over. You have to be good now. Doesn't 2015 all teams, all these other teams they're competing against, Sheamus, have guys that are their age or younger, and they're going out there and actually performing when it matters. Obviously, Ben being hurt and all the caveats with that this season, but that that only carries so much weight. And Joel had. I don't want to say a better situation for him without Ben on the floor, but he had more space to work with, certainly. And it was like, oh, we get to see Joel without Ben. Well, 
Joel was out there and he put up a bunch of points, but defensively he did the same shit he did in the regular season where there are entire quarters or stretches of games against the Celtics where he's dragging ass and he's not bought in. Like that that can't happen. I don't care if he's out there scoring 40 points a game, getting 25 rebounds. If he's not committing to defending, he's not doing what it's going to take for this team to win. And that's about as simple as I can say it. Although if he did put Couldn't up 40 and 25, more. that certainly would be pretty good. He should. Why not? I'm kidding. <laughs> I know people are like, uh, he demanded to, to score 40 points a game. Or, you know, yeah, look, I, I think that Joel is a tough... He's a tough player to talk about and analyze, right? Because what we see is that you know he does have these great performances he did put up big numbers against boston and it's easy to just say well look at the box score he was good it's the team that's stuck that sucks and blah 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 and like there's elements of truth to that but we you if you think that he is genuinely in that top tier of players if you want to try to compare him like i don't know where i would place him if I'm ranking the league from like one through 400, whatever. But, you know, there are people who believe he's a top 10 player. I think he's a top 10 talent pretty easily. I don't know that I can say he's Mm. a top 10 player based on what he has offered when the games actually really matter. You know, we can, you can pull out all the plus minus numbers. You can pull out all the, like all kinds of big, big individual performances from him but the guys who get to the conference finals the finals and that win titles they the down nights the down stretches are rare they bounce back they find ways to win games in ways that he has not done yet and i'm not saying he can't get there but as you say Seamus, the time to say well maybe he'll get there is over he needs to get there it needed to happen already and they need him to become the true franchise player, the no doubt top 10 type guy that his talent shows he's capable of being. It's that simple to me. He was not a top 10 player in the NBA this year, obviously. No, and look, you look at somebody like Jimmy Butler, who the Miami Heat are now in the conference finals after beating the Bucks, And I'm not going to sit here and tell you that Jimmy Butler was locked in night after night and he certainly i i don't know how much of an impact butler's regular season meandering might have had on joel while he was here but jimmy also has an understanding of you know when it's nut cutting time he rises to the occasion he's a guy who consistently delivers in the biggest moments who the team falls in line behind and that's that's been his whole career everywhere he's been he played for a fucking bullshit organization with the Bulls. He played for another bullshit organization in Minnesota. They win while he's there, and they don't when he leaves. He wins again in Miami after leaving a team that might have been able to win the title last year. That's what a, a true elite player looks like, that no matter where they go, no matter what's happening around them, they find ways to get it done. And I just I can't say that I've seen Joel do the same sort of thing. Have to agree. It's not looking good for our 76ers or my 76ers. They're not your 76ers. 
Uh, well, there, it's our podcast about the 76ers. Well, here's the bright side. It looks like the season is getting delayed for next year. So, Yeah, the uh, the draft now probably happening in mid to late November. I think it was reported today. And you know what else got delayed, Seamus? What's that? The Sixers' plans for a new arena after their lease is done at the Wells Fargo Center. Thank Do you Christ. have any thoughts on the Sixers getting unanimously rejected by the, I don't even know how to refer to them, the Delaware River Waterfront Commission, I think is their, their name. They, yes. they had a vote today, Wednesday, and they went with somebody else. They went with New Yorkers, for that matter. The, the Sixers owners couldn't beat out a bunch of New Yorkers in a town. That, they are fucking New Yorkers. You know, <laughs> I know, but they own the Sixers, so they at least have like local ties. Instead, it's just a New York company that's like, yeah, we'd rather give it to you than people who are, you know, in some respects actually invested in the local community. And are they really invested in the local community? I'm not saying that they actually are, but ostensibly they should be. <laughs> well, they're not. So they can all go. Oh God, I don't want to say that. What am I going to say? Nothing. You know what? I, you know exactly how I feel. <laughs> Are you censoring it for? Uh... Yeah, I didn't want that one out there. Okay. Um, well, so you know, I, I always and I tried to keep my own opinion on this close to the vest, other than the the tax related bullshit, because you know, cities should not be paying for arenas for multi billionaires. That's just a a personal belief I have but beyond that as like a, a Philadelphian I just don't see how like that space the vision for how it's going to be used is like quote unquote mixed use with like parks and you know buildings and residential areas and like I don't know how adding a sports arena there accomplishes that and it's one of the areas of the city that we could use a lot more for you know, bike paths and people being able to actually benefit from living next to a, a river. And so I'm sort of glad that, you know, even though it probably would have been, it would have been nice to have newer, a newer arena to work in for me personally. I'm glad for the selfish pigs, not the direction that, well, that's what I'm saying though. Selfishly, it would have been good for me. I think the, the bowels of the Wells Fargo center are a fucking dump. And it would have been a big upgrade almost by default. But I, I would much rather the city benefit than me personally benefit. Put it that way. Wow, what a guy. That's you know, I'm I'm a man of the people, Seamus. What can I say? Do we does that mean the uh the HBSE is our loser of the week, Seamus? The Sixers yeah. ownership group. We should call it the. They're the new sponsor of the loser of the week. <laughs> I don't think I'm going to go that far. I don't want to get in. I'm kidding. It's one thing our, to call them the loser of the week. For they're not week. our. They're not know. our. They're not our sponsor. They're just the. It's uh, the loser of the week, though. Loser of the. Me- loser of the me- millennium. <laughs> Harris Blitzer. Yeah. All right. Well, you got anything else, Seamus? Or we about to wrap this one up. No further Josh Harris comments. All right. Well, before we go, I want to tell you guys about our friends at Bet Online because the wait is finally over and football is back. You might not be at a game this year. You can still be in on the action at Bet Online. 
BetOnline's going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. So head to BetOnline today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. So thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Thank you, Seamus, for joining me as he does every week. And go, birds.